start the show off with that because I figured I'd love to just trip people out and play with their their uh, timing right there. They figure, oh wait, I thought you say that at the end of the show. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Part film podcast, part music, part everything. I mean, I know sometimes I talk until the cows come home. If you That expression, I mean, I say that to people and they're like, what? When I was little, I was always told I was a motor mouth and I talked too much. Even still today, it's like, okay, my brain, I have to remember, okay, remember to shut up. Remember to shut up. Don't talk too much. I mean, that's always, and here I am, a podcaster. It's perfect. Makes me think of uh, people who are told throughout their lives, oh, you talk too much, and then you, and then you make something of it. And you either go off script or you stay on the script and you add some things in there. Huh. I mean, I've experienced that. I, I remember one, the, the last time I was on a date. Oh, geez. It's been a while. And we had nothing to say to each other. It was just like, oh, do you want this on your sushi? Okay. Yeah, sure. And we, I mean, I won't give too much of the farm away. I love to talk in code. And that's when I was like, okay, I cannot date this person. I We can do what we were doing, but yeah, because I, I have to talk. I refuse to mutate or mute myself to try to fit in. It's like, well, okay, I do talk a lot. And sometimes, and yeah, over time I've learned to just shut up. Shut up. Okay, you said this, now bleep, turn it off. <laughs> and that's been tough and so yeah with a podcast I can just say whatever and equipment wise I'm trying to look into okay when I have guests on like I remember I had Jason Almy on if shit happens when you party naked and it was like I realized I need to have at least the pro model that he has because in order to have these conversations with people or it's like we have to sit at the same table and the microphone and just have a conversation I've done that a couple of times and then you know there's the power of Instagram where you can do it you can shoot it on Instagram which I did with George Trombolopoulos um, or I would have people call in like Mr. Texas and you know this is I mean this is not I am not Joe Rogan I'm not trying to be Joe Rogan I'm really not the one person I think with podcasting that I would really say kind of made me go, I want to do that is Mark Marin because I thought, wait a minute, there is um, the intimacy, but then there's also a sense of, of freedom and a sense of, you know, the DKNY of the punk rock and doing it yourself and, you know, whether you have a lot of listeners or not. And, and I've always, I used to, that used to kind of get me when people say, oh, well, if you don't have a lot of listeners, you don't, you shouldn't really do it. And it's like, okay, 
Well, that's for you. I think because life itself is such a popularity contest and everyone wants to be well-known and everyone wants to be liked. And Even today, as, as a grown-up, when I'm approached by a lot of people and they either like me, I'm just kind of like, okay, give me my space, give me my space, give me my space. Maybe I'm an introvert. Maybe I'm an extrovert. What am I? <laughs> let's let's look at the definitions and then we'll dive into some film and music um because you know okay an introvert isn't international introvert awareness day or something okay i do like public speaking though even though sometimes it's like oh god i can't believe i said that four types of introverts oh jeez. What about extrovert, introvert, extrovert, introvert? I didn't like public speaking probably until I was in college. And that's a credit to my professor. And she was so amazing. And I remember I said to her, and I've said this to her throughout the years. I said, you having us do those impromptus really kind of changed my life. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, because then you have to get up and you have to speak. What I'm doing right now is an impromptu. Because I have nothing written down. I have no sketchbook. Okay, I'm going to talk about this tonight on the show. Sometimes mentally I will kind of retain a thought. Like, all right, I want to talk about that. I want to get that out of there. And she taught me to do that. And then she would always tell me in terms of when you're doing the speaking, you have to look at your audience. Don't look down at the speech, of course. And always focus on the middle of the room. That way you're not focusing on someone and then you make them feel uncomfortable and just staring at them and you know that's the other factor of the whole thing so as a podcaster you know there's freedom that's like oh, okay i can do this and i can do that and i can say this and and i learned that from listening to mark Merritt and then his interviews you know it's a no holds barred i mean it's called the wtf show what the fuck podcast the fact that you can say you can't talk like that on the radio unless you're howard stern you know and, and I've always admired Howard Stern. And, and in fact, I think when I first started podcasting, that's what I said. I said I wasn't Howard Stern, but, and he, you know, yeah, he's got that radio voice. That's why I've always said one of my friends, I would love to have him on the show because he has such a radio voice that it's kind of like, whoa. There'd be times I would call him up just, and, and, and I would listen to him talk. I would just shut up because I was like, I just want to hear him talk and his thought process and, Highly, highly intelligent, okay? Highly, highly intelligent. In fact, his birthday, I'm sure he wouldn't mind my saying this, and I have a feeling he is listening to the show. He's going to be 40 in May. I'm not going to say what day. But, um, and I haven't talked to him in a while, and, um, and I wanted to put that out there just to say that I care about him and thinking of him. And, you know, even though we're how many thousands of miles away, <laughs> 3,000 miles away, yeah, yeah. But there's an intimacy to our conversations where he would tell me things and it's like, okay, and his thought process. And, um, hi, but like I said, highly, highly intelligent, highly. And, and I've talked about it on this show that about five years ago, he had a heart transplant. And, and that was the only thing is his health. His health is just, I think it's, it's kept him from doing things that he really, really to do in life in places that he really wanted to go and that's why whenever I do something and I have an opportunity I think of 
him because, you know, <coughs> and I and I let him know. I said, hey, I went to Hawaii because his husband's from Hawaii. And he's like, oh, my goodness. And, and we talk about that And because I really want him to travel. I hope that he gets to travel, um, you know, and so that's that's really what I'll talk about on the show. I'll talk about people that I care about, films that I care about, music that I care about. You know, um, I have a feeling that there are people that are listening that I'm not aware of. They're listening. I know them. So if if I know you and I know you my day today and you're listening, welcome. Um, Welcome. I mean, um, But, um, yeah, it's it's a day-to-day thing, and I wanted to acknowledge that. And Because, um, you know, you never know who's listening. You never know who is listening, and you have to be careful. And so that's why I am, a pe- you know, an optimistic person, not a pessimist. I come from a long line of pessimists, and it's kind of like, oh, jeez, enough already. And, and But at the same time, that's because everyone, and I understand this, everyone has a different experience you know those the the men in my family who are pessimists that's because life just fucked them over it fucked them over whether it was a war or whether it was health or whether it was a family situation life but they found their way out of it so anytime there was like like with the pandemic was like oh my god we're gonna go to hell in a handbasket and shit like that um yeah yeah also those who i if i know you in my day today please know that this is a show for grown-ups, so there is an explicit warning, and only you can listen to this show um, if you're, you know, a grown-up. And because I'm talking about film and we're talking about music with a passion and vigor that I've always maintained, and you know, um, and a professionalism. There is a professionalism to this show. I, I know that some people will roll their eyes at this, but there is a professionalism to the show. Um, and I enjoy doing this show, and um, and I hate saying um. <laughs> oh, jeez, jeez, that was something I learned in public speaking class. Don't do pause, but this is a podcast, and I can't have dead air because then someone's gonna listen and think, "Oh, the show's over. <laughs> the show is over." And speaking of shows, yes, tomorrow night is Depeche Mode. How am I gonna pull this off? I don't even know. I haven't gone to a concert during a school week on a school night since November. Or actually, no, that's not true. And I'm talking about where I had to work the next day, October. October, I had first started working, I had first started teaching, and I went and saw Pussifer in San Francisco right after teaching. And then the next morning, I had to teach that class again. And they were stunned that I was there. And I said, hey, because they knew. I was very honest with them. I said, you know, I have a, a, a hobby. I like to go to shows. And they were like, take us with you. I can't. I can't. And then when I showed up and I got this big thing of coffee and they're like, you're here. Yeah, of course I am. I made a promise that I would be here and I'm here. And I'll talk about it a little bit. And we did. And it was a, and it was a good experience, you know. And. Maybe that's why they all like me. I don't know. 
I don't know because you know I'm human and I actually go and do things for fun and I'm not married and I'm not and and there's nothing wrong with that maybe one day I can't believe I'm saying this maybe one day I will be married I mean who knows kids I don't know I already have a niece and nephews and nieces and nephews and it's like that's that I already felt like they're extended parent He's like, oh my god, they're starting to talk on the phone all the time about stuff. Enough already. People have to sleep. But, um, yeah. To talk about the things that I talk about, whether it's music or film and uh, Depeche Mode. The fact that I'm going to go see them and it's a Thursday night and then I have to teach the next morning and I'm fully aware of that. I'm full. Thank god I don't have to go to Aftershock. That would be crazy. That would be crazy, okay. And and I and I'm aware of it. It's like, okay, should I go home and take a rest, or should I just get on the road? What I'm just gonna do is I'm gonna get off work. I'm going to probably get some coffee, and I'm probably going to go get something to eat in the town that they're playing in because Depeche Mode's tour is opening in Sacramento. Just kind of sit back and relax. Or maybe make my way to the merchandise line. Because those merchandise lines can get crazy. I'm going to buy maybe just a t-shirt and whatever. That's, But who knows? You know, sometimes our plans don't really turn out the way they we want them to. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break. And I'm going to come back. And we're going to we're gonna talk about a film. Because that's what I do here at the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I just don't talk about my personal life. And lack thereof although there is there are elements of my personal life that i will not discuss on here um because i'm aware that there are probably people from my day to day who are listening yeah yeah so uh stay tuned dr zeus phone podcast i'm gonna be back and um we're gonna talk about well that's a surprise stay tuned Not Jesus, one no, beer, that's amazing. all. I feel like I'm trapped in some hillbilly's oxycotton nightmare. Man, I cannot wait to get the hell out of this podunk town. Well, make sure you do, and before it's too late, because every year you wait, you just get more and more stuck here. Believe me, I know. How'd she know what I was thinking? That's weird. Yes. <laughs> I'll get you all some ketchup. And I swear. Sometimes those people disappear. 
in Treeport? Fantasia. Fantasia? Set up a date with a vampire? What do you have, a death wish? You look like vampire bait. So are you saying you think I look nice? I'll be fine. The fact that you think you'll be fine only proves just how not fine you're going to be. Vampires think about one thing. And one thing only. Drinking see i told you it was a surprise and it's some television series that was cinematic and we all fell under its spell the creator of it wrote famously american beauty won an academy award then went on to write and produce and create six feet under on hbo six feet under went on from 2001 to 2005 and then in 2008 alan ball gave us True Blood, based on the Southern Vampire Mysteries, a series of novels by Charlene Harris. Oh, yes. Ooh. The series premiered 15 years ago on September 7th, 2008, and lasted for seven seasons on HBO. And its last episode was on August 24th, 2014. And here we are, all those years later. I mean, geez, that was almost uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. Hard to believe, isn't it? Jeez. <laughs> okay, Siri. <laughs> so I present to you True Blood. Now, when it first came on, I didn't have HBO. Every now and then we'd have HBO, and it's like, oh, great. We get to someone order to fight, and then we'd get to watch it. And thankfully, through this wonderful app called HBO Max, I've been catching back up to it. And it's like, damn. those. The, first of all, for me, the flashbacks. The flashbacks to before they were turned into vampires. And the world around them has always intrigued me. In the first season, the first season got things, I mean, first of all, and I've talked about her on the show before, you have Academy Award winner Anna Paquin, all grown up from the piano, and the piano was very grown up, and she is Suki Stackhouse, a telepathic waitress living in the fictional rural town of Bon Tom. Louisiana, set two years after the invention of a synthetic blood product, branded True Blood. Now, thanks to my cousin, who also loved the series, I have a True Blood. I'm not going to drink it because it's a prop. And so I keep it, you know, yeah. And, and I have been known to have vampire hours because I, I was born a night owl. And then here we are, as I was talking about my day today, I have to set like six alarms Remember to go to bed at a certain time so I can wake up refreshed. I don't always get my eight hours. But does anyone? So Suki's world <laughs> gets turned upside down when she meets a 174-year-old vampire, Bill Compton, played by Stephen Moyer. 
And for the first time, she must navigate the trials and terrors of intimacy and relationships. Now, the first season, you had some really, really great actors on this show. One in particular, and I mention her because (laughs) she's a legendary actor of stage and screen. She famously played the barmaiden in East of Eden. Yes, James Dean's East of Eden. Okay. Now, her character doesn't last very long on True Blood, and that's Louise Smith. Um, or is it Lois Smith? Oh, God. Lois Smith, who's been around. Oh, she's 92. I mean, never won an Academy Award. She's been doing this since 1952. She was famously in uh, Twister. Remember the movie? She was in, um, she was on Broadway, you know. Okay, yeah, her film debut was in 1955, East of Eden. Yes. One of my, one of my favorites of James Dean. And then she's, you know, she's been on all kinds of series. But the fact that she was on True Blood and she's playing Suki Stackhouse's grandmother and thus the first season is open wide, just like a vampire wound. Hello. And then as as the series goes on, you get to know all these characters like Eric Northman and uh, Jason Stackhouse and Tara Thornton and uh, Lafayette and... Um, what are some of these other characters? Sam Merlot and... Yes... Some other characters that I won't mention because they're just guest stars. <laughs> Russell Eggerton, Edit- Eddington. Oh, what a character. I mean, this this series really went, it went there. It talked about vampires and it talked about, I think, because in that world, a vampire was a taboo subject. And then to have a relationship with a vampire... Um, is really um, it's crazy. It's really crazy, but the whole series as a whole, you know, it was one hell of a series. I mean, I can play for you some of my favorite moments. Um, I love the flashbacks. I will always love the flashbacks, and um. They really, that's what makes True Blood ugh, such just a great series. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I'll mention my cousin because her Sancho, as she says, is Eric Northman. And Eric Northman, come on. Here's, here's the best of Eric Northman. following Godric's orders and getting you out. That's all. 
He's your maker, isn't he? Don't use words you don't understand. You have a lot of love for him. Don't use words I don't understand. Let's pull away because it's one of those fandom <laughs> trailers. Those are so silly. Um, but really at the heart of this is Suki Stackhouse. This young woman who is a telepath and also something about herself that she learns as the season goes on. And if we can get to it. I was diagnosed with ADD. They tried to put me on drugs, but my mama wouldn't let them. She knew that wasn't it. She tried to protect me, even though I scared her. When did you lose her? Just before I turned eight. Both my parents. Flash blood. I lost my wife and my children. Everyone I knew from my human life. Most of them buried here in this cemetery. You really don't consider yourself human at all? I'm not human. Can you turn into a bat? No. There are those who can change form, but I'm not one of them. Can you levitate? No. Turn invisible? Sorry. Well, Bill, you don't seem like a very good vampire. What can you do? I can bring you back to life. This is where you live? Since old Jesse Compton had no living heirs, when he died, ownership reverts back to me. I thought that one for sure unless the VRA passes. Well, I haven't been getting any trouble with the renovations I've been doing. Although, of course, I've been doing them myself in a night. I need an electrician, but I can't get anyone to return my calls. Huh. Maybe if I made a few calls tomorrow, I could come by after work and tell you who to contact. Thank you. Take your clip out. And so that's Bill and Suki Stackhouse getting together. You know, True Blood has all these different characters, and it, it really is an ensemble piece. And then you have some really great guest stars like uh, Evan Rachel Wood and um, Arliss Howard. And, I mean, the the list goes on and on and on. Um, yeah. I mean, the, I, I have so many favorite moments. <laughs> but this one stands out because I love those flashbacks. 
This is probably one of my favorites. can be dangerous at this hour. A lady should really be more careful. If I meet a lady, I'll let her know. That is a lovely dress. I'm sorry about all the blood. just jets off and that's the meeting of Eric Northman and Pam in 1905 San Francisco I believe and uh yeah it's a, it's a scene to really watch and to witness and um that's that's one of the things that I love about True Blood and that's why I wanted to talk about it tonight I mean 15 years this September I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things celebrating 15 years, including Miss Sugar, but we'll talk about that at another date. So this is the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I am tired. I am ready for bed. Unpleasant dreams. <laughs> 